ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Bagheel on Brand, and this is your host, Saeed Bagheel. Today we have Tony Nagfi, former head of brand at Mobile in Saudi Arabia. Um, we're going to talk about uh, brand, brand art and science, talk about a journey, talk about uh, the examples of uh, Mobile, what happened to Mobile, uh, strong start, slowed down, out of touch with... Uh, Bank completely went to price practice, uh, given the fact that uh, most marketeers in the region come from two schools, um, P&G Unilever. Uh, so they've always been marketing commodities, not retail and not um, telecom. So there's a sort of different behaviors in, the, in those sectors. And Tony and I have sort of stressed on that a lot. And you'll be able to uh, see in this beautiful discussion between myself and Tony Nagfi. Tune in. Tony Nagfi, can you please introduce yourself? Hello, uh, I'm Tony Nagfi. I'm the founder and CEO of Rain Design. Uh, we are a sustainable design company based in the UK and in Istanbul. And our focus is creating integrated, sustainable brands, products, and services. Perfect. And you've had some um, uh, previous experience in the Middle East, right? Yeah. So I was uh, GM for brand design and UX in, uh, in Riyadh for Mobile. Okay. And, and, um, and after that, you set up your own company or you were working, uh, did you work somewhere else? Uh, I worked as a contractor at Mobiley, um, but I, I, I actually set up Rain almost 15 years ago. So it's been going for oh, quite okay. some time. All right, perfect. So let me ask you this, Tony. Um, as, you, as, as you know well that brand is art and science, and we've seen a lot of different arts and we believe, I believe personally, color communication, it has diff- uh, sort of different meanings. Like I've been uh, taught by my mentor, colors are divided into four groups, alpha, social, society, evolution. But there's a lot of um, sort of designers that work on brand. Uh, they don't understand the meaning of colors. Can you walk us through this, please? I think it's, I think um, education plays a large part and kind of technology plays a role in, in kind of defining the modern day designer. So I'm kind of, I guess I was kind of quite old school in the sense that I learned traditional graphic design when I started out in kind of the early 90s. Um, and so I spent a lot of time, I mean, we didn't, we were just beginning to shift away from traditional graphic design to kind of digitized graphic design. You know, the, the Apple Mac had arrived and desktop publishing and digital lets and things like that. So I, I kind of learned a lot of the very kind of original practical skills that designers learn. So learning about typography, you know, very intricate typography, learning about layouts and compositions and learning about color theory and things like that. And so how color helps you express certain moods and certain uh, ideas or, or values that you kind of want to associate with certain things. Um, and, and I've kind of noticed a trend over the years that kind of technology, while it's a great enabler, it has also kind of detracted to a certain degree. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to generalize, 
but it has kind of attracted to a certain degree people learning traditional design skills. Uh, and so kind of people can sort of approach digital design, you know, uh, very capable in things like Photoshop or InDesign or, or Illustrator, whatever it might be, uh, and certainly very capable, but perhaps not equipped with the skills to kind of bring some of the traditional uh, scientific nuances of design uh, or artistic expression into their work. And so I kind of, it, it creates a divide against, against sort of classically designed, that's uh, like classically trained designers versus kind of more contemporary designers that focus on the technology and capabilities uh, and less on those sort of traditional skills. And I think you find that across a lot of disciplines as well, like photography again, you know, the, the modern day smartphone is kind of, of almost um, uh, overtaken traditional photography and allowed people, you know, it's obviously made photography more accessible um, and people can kind of create, uh, people can kind of do great things with, 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 with modern day smartphones, for instance, but they, 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 don't, they don't have that traditional eye that a traditional photographer might have in the sense of how they might frame something, how the mechanics of photography influence or kind of, or, or lend voice to, to, to their work. Um, and, and, and like I said, and I certainly agree to a certain extent that that applies to the design industry, that we've kind of lost touch with a lot of those traditional skills that, that we got taught at college or, or in the early days of design. Uh, and we rely a lot more on the technology these days to do a lot of the work for us. Wow. What, what, if, what are the sort of challenges you face when um, a client approaches you for a task? Example, uh, Tony, I need a brand strategy. And let's say the head of marketing does not understand fully what a brand strategy or the value of it is. And the chief executive officer is not fully aware on what would be the impact of the brand strategy apart from just a look and feel and logos and all that stuff. Yeah, again, I, I, I actually get those types of questions quite a lot. And, and my response is that it's very difficult to isolate certain aspects of a brand and, and, and focus purely on them without understanding how the rest. I, I, I tend to have a slightly different view of brand than, than perhaps most other people do. So I tend to see brand as a framework. And that framework consists of a lot of different components around some core disciplines. So for instance, you have brand strategy, you have uh, brand identity, you have brand management, and you have uh, brand experience. And so those are kind of the, the, the key disciplines that I see that define a brand. And then within that framework, you have lots of different things. So around strategy, you would have brand uh, um, naming, you'd have positioning and things like that. Around brand identity, you'd have you know, visual identity and logo design, things like that. Around brand and management, you'd kind of have training and communications. And then around experience, you'd have more of your marketing, advertising, PLS, and things like that. So the problem with, with taking those components out of context is that then you lack the authority to kind of establish what it is the brand's trying to say. So if someone can kind of come to you and say, I need a brand strategy, well, without understanding what the rest of the strategy, a, a brand strategy is telling you, 
it's very difficult to fulfill that task. And you often miss a lot of the key insights and the key data that comes from the rest of, of, of that framework. Um, so I think it's kind of down to, to a lot. The other thing I think the, the practice of branding, and it's not a word that I like to use, has kind of become a lot, di uh, very much diluted over the years. And so there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding and misinterpretation. So a lot of people see branding as a component of marketing or advertising and things like that. Some people see it as, like you said, their, their visual identity or their logo design. Some people kind of understand it's bigger than that. And there's a lot of different things that kind of come together that, that build, a build a brand. But I think uh, practitioners of branding or brand themselves have kind of got caught up in that 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 sort of uh, cycle of of brand dilution, if you if, if you like, um, and so they they're quite happy to say, oh yeah, well, I can provide brand strategy, or I can provide some um, brand management, or I can provide some 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 brand identity, without really encouraging clients to kind of think about what the bigger picture is and how strategy fits into that greater uh, brand framework. Yes. Uh, you're living in Saudi for five years with mobile as a contractor yeah. and working on the uh, design experience and so on. What's your overall of the sort of, you've seen, you definitely go and shop in supermarkets and so mm. on. You've seen the FMCG, you've seen uh, different type of experience from retailers, Panda, yeah. uh, uh, Panda and uh, and Nahadi and so on. What's your overall impression on how brands are launched, repositioned, uh, and so on? I think it's kind of the same thing that there tends to be quite a bit of dilution in that. Okay, so first of all, the Saudi market is still a very young market. It's not as mature as probably the the, the, the certainly Europe and, and, and America. But that's not to say that the, that the customer base in Saudi is any less, uh, what would I say, any less loyal to the brands they love. In fact, I find, in my experience of being in Saudi, that customers are very loyal to the brands that they connect with. Um, and I think the key difference is, is they're always encouraging and looking for brands to do something new to I think the Saudi market in particular, they like to be associated with brands that are forward thinking, uh, certainly very innovative and certainly very uh, experimental. So the problem, of course, is that when you have a market that isn't mature, that they can kind of tend to, like I said, sort of dilute things a little bit in terms of how they approach their branding and their messaging and their positioning and things like that. I think the other thing that Saudi, the Saudi market lacks is a significant presence of dedicated branding agencies. Now, there are a lot of marketing and advertising agencies, and again, being head of brand design in, in, in Riyadh for, for quite some time, I worked a lot with a lot of the local agencies, but they are advertising and marketing agencies. And, there's a, and I think that the, again, this, this idea that, that, that a marketing agency or, or an advertising agency can do branding work 
again, really sort of dilutes the power of a brand because you really need that expertise that can really only come from a dedicated branding agency. You know, they, they put aside all of the promotional stuff and they really help clients focus on their core essence. And I think in doing that, they enable brands to create more powerful messages. Whereas if you have an agency that approaches it for more of a promotional or for more of a connection point of view, they tend to focus on what, how do we connect customers to this product as opposed to how do we get customers to connect with this brand regardless of what the product is. So brand is incidental to a product, right? It's because it is a representation of what your core values are. And that's very different from, and, and those connections that you want to make are based on those emotional values, functional emotional values. And they tend to be very different from what you're trying to do when you're selling something right, to you, because you want to buy loyalty, but that doesn't necessarily come through a product that comes through an interaction with the brand and the values that it represents. So I think there's this kind of disconnect and that's what creates, tends to create this kind of diluted uh, uh, messages and that's why kind of positioning tends not to be a reflection or, or, or a true reflection of, of really where a brand wants to go. Very true. But also the, the, the knowledge, the understanding of uh, what brand is and the contribution of brand within the organization, it's usually left to the marketing. Yeah, department. exactly. So, I think a lot of, yeah. uh, a lot of, and again, uh, mobile my experience at mobile would be a, a, another great example um, in that brand sits within the brand and Marcom group. And so they're obviously, they, 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 they've got a clear impression of brand being something related to marketing. I think over the years, and obviously the time that I spent there, there was an understanding that brand needed to be something that is distinct from their marketing and advertising activity. Um, and so we kind of made a move towards sort of establishing brand as a separate entity, because ultimately that, that needs to be the case. You have to create a clear distinction about what your company stands for, what your values are, and then how you go about selling a product. The very two different things. Now, one is, is has, a, has an influence on the other, but not the other way around. So your marketing advertising doesn't have, an, have a direct correlation with your brand, but your brand has a very distinct um, relationship with, with your marketing and advertising. And like I said, without clear guidance, and again, I think that stems from the fact that most marketing most companies lump brand within their marketing group. And as such, marketing people would tend to settle for marketing or advertising agencies to do their branding. And that's not unique to Saudi. I think that mistake happens a lot around the world. But I think being a young market, uh, being uh, a somewhat less mature market than, than Europe and America, for instance, that those, those shortcomings from marketing and advertising agencies tend to be much more amplified. Because like I say, you have a very well-educated consumer base in Saudi. They're very brand loyal and they're very brand savvy. And so they, they will see through 
any attempt to uh, what would be the appropriate phrase any attempt to kind of influence them uh, in a way that doesn't sit well with their understanding of a brand. So they can't, they, they won't necessarily be swayed by marketing and advertising to, to switch their allegiance or become loyal to a brand because they understand, I think, very distinctly what a brand is. And it's a shame that a lot of companies, marketing and advertising agencies or, or structures don't reflect that at a local level. Yes, absolutely. But, but uh, Tony, the decisions on brand is usually left to mm. marketing and you and I know very well that brand is holistic. And a pro I mean, your employees are brand ambassadors yeah. and uh, when, when marketing just takes a brand and parachutes it to advertising and all the tactical mm. levels, then the other side of the business, which is the internal stakeholders, are completely lost on any of the deliverables, yeah. the, the values. Now, when the marketing goes, drives any sort of messaging and that claim goes out, the average person that's out in, in the market meets, looks, looks at the message, then meets the value. His sort of within that 30 second, his split between is this true or mm. it's a lie? Because the, as you said, there's a, mis there's a disconnection between the brand and product. I think there's a disconnection between uh, marketing and the rest of the yep. organization. You know, so can you can we stress on that because you've worked in mobile? Yeah. So can we look at that? I think one of one of the key things that's missing, perhaps, and again, I, I'm trying not to generalize, but based on my own experience working out in Saudi, is that <coughs> a lot of focus and a lot of resources tends to be thrown at marketing and advertising as a way of helping revenue generation as opposed to investing in people that, like you say, are ambassadors for your brand. So for instance, when we did the first, re so I arrived at Mobile in 2014 and we did our first rebrand in 2015. And it was the first rebrand they'd done since, I think, in almost a decade. It was a very big thing for them. And essentially, when we, we, we came to figure out what our strategy was in terms of the rollout, we, we, we took, a, and I think that this speaks volume about how, how good the branding guys are at Mobile. We took a lot of time and effort to focus first on the internal communication and investing a lot of time and energy and resources in getting the company the employees, the people that interact with consumers and businesses and suppliers and stakeholders on a daily basis, get them involved in interacting and championing this new brand. Because without that support, without the backbone of your organization buying in to, to, to your brand, you're going to struggle because like you say, as soon as the marketing and the advertising guys come up with, come, you know, hit a brick wall or your advertising is overrun by the competition because a lot of industries have become commoditized now. And so it's very easy for companies to compete against each other if you're just competing in a commodity market. So telecommunications is a very commoditized market. 
a lot of companies are competing just over price. Now, you know, X amount of gigabytes or X amount of airtime for X amount of reals. And so you can produce advertising one day, which may be a great ad, but in itself doesn't increase any value because it's very easy for your competitor to come along and say, well, if mobile is offering this amount of data for that amount of money, we're just going to offer this amount of data for less money. And so if you don't have any brand loyalty, all you have is repeat customers that will switch their allegiance quite quickly as soon as they see perceived value in one product versus another. But what you need to do is have a workforce that will help you build a brand that is very strong, that can compete on a playing field that isn't governed purely by competitive marketing. And like I say, the Saudi consumer is a very brand savvy consumer. And so price, while it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the, the significant parts of a transaction, isn't always the most fundamental part of a buying decision. And in fact, it's, I think it's fair to say, particularly in Saudi, that how consumers feel about the brand, so their brand loyalty or their brand attraction, often trumps their desire for competitive pricing. And that kind of value can only come from an organization that has a very strong sense of itself, that understands what it's about, what values it holds, and how it communicates those. And, and, and that is reinforced by its employees at any given touch point. So whether you're getting support on a website or through a call center, if you're buying through a, a, a sales office or a retail store, and beyond that. So those employees, they go home every day, they have their families, they have their friends, they have their own social networks. And so they will, they will often tell people about the company that they work for. Now, you can either go home infused and championing the place that you work at as, as, as something that's a valuable part of your life that you want to share with people, or you can go home at the end of the day very disillusioned and very confused about the company that you work for. You might, you might know your role in that company, but you won't necessarily know anything beyond what your role is there to achieve in that company. So I think internal communications are really critical for any brand, anywhere actually, but I think more so in, in Saudi as you kind of grow and mature. Um, I think it's critical that there's a lot more emphasis and a lot more focus on internal communications and internal brand awareness. And because the other thing is, is that, that that, that knowledge and that insight gets carried wherever people go. So, you know, uh, employees at Mobile may stay there and or they may move on to somewhere else, but they carry that knowledge and that insight. And so where that knowledge can be spread and, and uh, inculcated in other organizations, I think is only to the benefit of the market in Saudi. Wow. Tony, um, let me take you to a, uh, mm -hmm. to a small journey. Um, in 2006, uh, Saudi uh, 
Saudi uh, 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 SEC was divided yeah. into three companies. It was a while it was uh, Saudi Telecom and something else. They decided to unite the whole thing and call it STC. Repositioning was all about how data, landline, and uh, mobile was around you. That was the uh, positioning, uh, which the statement came out and said, easier mm -hmm. life as they promised. And unfortunately, during the experience, customers suffered with their bills and many other things. So it's fired back at them. JWT was the agency that was driving all yep. this in terms of communication, and Landor and Landor was the uh, branding agency. Now, down the line, when this started firing back, Mobiley went way up. It was the time that Mobiley just launched yep. in the Saudi market, uh, and it positioned itself as uh, a company that came mm -hmm. from the Emirates. Now, in recent years, tables started turning around. Mobiley just went down to the bottom. STC went rising. That's before even their recent repositioning about the uh, to the future, which is the digital uh, yeah. uh, approach. How did Mobile hit bottom? Yeah, I mean, was it a change, change of management, change of people, uh, change of thinking, or how, how did this happen? I mean, some of the communication I've seen, I was utterly shocked that yeah. this comes out of Mobile. And how is that part of the core of the brand that's I been there for years? Mobile's case in some respects is unique, but in others not. And I think that there are lessons to be learned for a lot of brands in, in Saudi, probably in particular. And I think when you look back to how Mobile started, they were kind of riding the crest of a wave of popularity in the sense that they were the challenger brand to STC, new entry into the market very young, very dynamic, very innovative, first degree iPhone, first degree 3G, you know, they were doing a lot of things that people look back and think, you know, well, STC is this kind of archaic transition of the old Saudi postal and telecom service into this kind of new uh, telecommunication service. And so they kind of had that sort of, that, that sort of anxiety of their legacy hanging over them. Whereas Mobiley, like I said, this young, fresh, dynamic company came in and, and really kind of hit the ground running. And I think the problem which, which every brand, uh, and particularly brands that are successful, face is uh, two things. First, obviously, when you're at the top, you know, it's very easy to come crashing down. Um, but more importantly, it's, it's, it's very difficult often to keep that momentum going if if you are only product focused and i think the second thing is that um and again it's it's no means by no means unique to mobile is that it's very easy to become complacent when you're successful and i think those two factors were key to kind of the demise of mobile in terms of the brand in terms of the reputation and ultimately the, the kind of the financial disaster that hit them um, in 2014. Um, and I think a lot of people, uh, and particularly from the outside, but even internally could kind of see that coming in the sense that, you know, if, 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 if your core focus is just your product, promoting product, and not enough is about building loyalty. If you're kind of just relying on the numbers of organic revenue from kind of just selling services, then it will get to a 
point where you reach saturation. And it will also get to a point where your competitors, whether it's new entrants into the market, which again, you know, when, when uh, the, the, the local regulator started granting more licenses to more operators, Mobile has started to feel the pressure that obviously STC had felt. Um, again, if your core focus is just promoting products and then relying on the revenues from that, you will eventually run out. So Apple, you know, Apple, some parts of technology change quite rapidly, others take longer. So the transition from 3G to 4G was quite rapid. But once that, that technology is standardized and in place, the transition then from 4G to 5G is, is much, much longer. The, the, the period is much more protracted. Um, and so you don't have anything in the interim. You know, they were kind of, kind of speed bumps, 4G, 4G plus, LTD. And, and even those are very gradual and very slow in the rollout. So you don't have anything there to continue this wave of innovation that, that you establish yourself in. Um, you, if you're relying on third-party products, again, you know, the iPhone is not a product that is unique to mobile, so competitors were, were able to kind of cash in on the, the rise in popularity of, of smartphones. And so what you'll see is a gradual decline in your sales, in your revenues, in your popularity, because you focused on your product. Now, as I said moments before, brand and product are incidental to one another. So you can have a brand, but it's distinct from what you sell. And because that might change over time. So like I said, as products evolve, as services evolve, they tend to change. But, but by and large, your brand, your, your core set of values remains intact. And that is generally what people like to associate themselves with. We surround ourselves with brands we feel match our own uh, personal beliefs or our own values that we perceive for ourselves. We tend to align ourselves with brands that share, that we feel share those same values. But if you don't, if you don't spend enough time Rachel. telling people about that, then you won't build that kind of loyalty. So if you go out into the street and say to someone in Riyadh or in Jeddah or in anywhere else, sorry, what does Mobile stand for? You'd be really hard pushed to get a definitive answer that wasn't, oh, it stands for competitive prices or it stands for, you know, uh, good sales and uh, quality products or maybe some negatives or whatever. Those are very functional product focused uh, replies that have nothing to do actually with what the brand stands for. Those are only a reflection of how well mobile or, or in, 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 in this case or, or how badly mobile has communicated what it stands for and what it represents. Um, and so I think that's, that's kind of where mobile sort of fell flat, that it hadn't done enough to really 
help consumers understand who they were as an organization and what they stood for. They relied too much on this kind of wave of innovation, which they couldn't sustain. And then they got very complacent in, in how they managed the brand and relied far too much on very heavy marketing and advertising. And I think that still rings true today to a certain degree that there are, that there, that they are certainly a lot better at branding um, than they were perhaps 10 years ago. But I think personally, uh, like many brands in, in Saudi, is because they work in a very commoditized sector that they still feel that they need to compete with marketing and advertising. They see that that, that is really the only way to compete with. I, I love I love what, what you just raised, and I want to point on that. But first, I want to ask you this. What was your post in Mobile? So just to bring the so I, was, to uh, I was VP of brand design in UX. So, yeah. So I was the design and experience part of, of Mobile, of Mobile's brand. Um, and so I worked on, a, I worked on yeah. two rebrands during my time there, the first in 2014 to 2015, and then the last one, 2017 to 2018. So I was involved with the, with the branding department, the marketing department, and, and the rest of the stakeholders. But I was also involved with, for, certainly for the second rebrand, with the external agency that came in to do the rebrand. The first rebrand we did, we did internally. The second oh, one was with an agency. Yeah. I like the point you raised here, which has always been my argument regarding the uh commoditization process whether if it's in retail whether if it's in telecom and that's because the mainly the departments of marketing uh are people who came from two type of schools uh yep. procter and gamble and unilever the backbone of marketing in the middle east given these two parties are are mm. all around on marketing so their mindset is more of a trading yep. mindset over brand so they look at price and product. They look at a functional process over the inspirational emotional process that stands for a brand. And given that fact, so every time they come into marketing, their first line of thought is how do we compete? You know? So they look at the functional values and then they look at what resonates the most yeah. across the market is price, yeah. which commoditizes almost everything. And I like what you raised because this is exactly what I saw. Mobile moved from an inspirational brand to a competing brand. brand. It actually, yeah, it actually yeah. built, created a space for itself and then mm. invited its competitor to come within that space yeah. and compete on the same value, which is a function of value. That is absolutely what happened. And yes, again, I 100% agree with you. The two schools that people come from in terms of marketing yeah. are able to commoditize things because they're coming from a commodity uh, school, the school of commodity, trade marketing. Now, STC recently repositioned, okay? And they unified all their brands in Bahrain, Kuwait to STC. They were called the Viva Arm. Now they decided everything is STC. And Interbrand out of Spain decided to, uh, they, they, they commissioned uh, uh, Interbrand out of Spain. And apparently things fired up on them because 
a company in Silicon Valley claimed that their uh, identity is similar to what yeah. uh, what they have. So uh, th then when they launched, JWT, the agency, mm. rolled out the whole entire launch. And it sort of not only fired back in terms of uh, yeah. in terms of the the logo that was that there was in the news that was replicated from uh, an American firm, but also the whole entire uh, uh, approach on brand, mm. us coming from brand experts, uh, us coming from the school of brand and brand experts. I was utterly confused that I, I published an article. So I will I would like to hear from you. Yeah. What were your thoughts? I'm sure you looked at it. And sure. Can I, so can I have the first thing, I think the first lesson is, as I said in the beginning, people are very brand savvy these days, very brand aware. And it really only takes a couple of clicks for someone to be, you know, for a brand to be found out if they make a mistake. You know, it really doesn't take a lot. And then it only takes a couple of clicks for that information to, to make its way around the world. You know, we, we, this is the internet age, the social media age. All information is accessible by everyone everywhere. So I think, I think the first mistake STC made was kind of just putting a lot of focus on this is our new logo, this is our new identity, and they kind of reinforce again that kind of disconnect between, between brand and marketing. Because again, you're asking people to make a judgment on one aspect of your brand without understanding anything else about it. Now, obviously, people that are customers of STC or know the STC brand will look at it and say, you know, well, I'm measuring this logo against what your old logo should or used to be. Now, what you're doing then is asking me to make a subjective decision. You're not asking me to make a decision about whether the brand has improved or I still have the same understanding of your brand. You're simply asking me, is this logo better than the old one? Now, that's a subjective argument because there'll be people that like it, obviously, but there'll also be people that don't like it. Now, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're asking your customers to, to interpret your brand purely on the basis of your visual identity, you're sending a very confusing message because they understand something about your brand, which is why they're your customer. Now you're telling them, you know, is this a good representation of us? Well, that's really beside the point, and which is why folks, you know, which is why agencies and I, you know, inverted commas, agencies that do branding you know, as a function often get caught up in, 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 in very, in very difficult positions with companies because they don't understand the rest of the framework, the rest of the brand framework. And again, you're forcing your customers into a corner. Focus only on this part of my brand and make your decision based on something that is highly subjective. That's a really difficult position to put a company, uh, uh, a customer in. And it's very unfair and it doesn't take into account a lot of other things. I think the other thing about that, the, the STC rebrand was, and I, I don't have any insights and, and, uh, into the relationship between Interbrand and, and STC during, during that period. I have a lot of respect for Interbrand. I think they do some really great work. But my impression of working within a big telecommunications company in Saudi Arabia and looking, having looked and experienced the relationship between agencies and uh, internal stakeholders, 
the agencies tend to get a lot of pushback, in particular from the marketing and advertising guys who want to focus energies on promotions and messaging and less around what they see as kind of the fluffy stuff of the brand, you know, the values, the certain level. And I imagine that there's a certain element and again, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm purely looking at this based on my own experience, but I imagine that there's a certain element of that with the STC rebrand. And so the JWT guys kind of jumped in and said, okay, so we're going to launch this brand and we're going to show people this brand. But their understanding of brand is really only one small part of it. So, you know, there's Interbrand trying to support STC in one way and JWT coming in the other way. And... JWT have a very commoditized mindset. We want to help this, this brand compete within this commoditized market. The way we've done that traditionally is the marketing guys want to promote a bundle. Again, it's all about price. You're, again, you're forcing customers to react this way. The more you focus on competing on function and price, the more you force your customers to make a decision based on the lowest common denominator. And that's often how cheap is it? Because you haven't given anything of substance and anything of value. And I can own, and, and I'm not talking monetary value here, I'm talking about experience and I'm talking about brand value. You haven't given any of that. And so when STC rolled out this new brand, for want of a better word, they hadn't bought anything new. It's kind of just a repaint of an old house. And again, if you're only if you're only telling customers, look at the outside of this house, isn't it a nice bright purple color compared to our old color? Well, how many of your customers like purple? Right? If that's the only way they have to judge your brand you're gonna fall flat on your face. There's no two ways about it. And so if your messaging is confused, if your position isn't clear, if your brand, what you stand for, isn't clear to your consumers, to your customers and to the marketplace. Again, it's not just your customers, your competitors are gonna be able to react very easily to that. And what you find is you have a lot of companies just, Absolutely. the only way they survive is reacting off one another, right? Again, in a commoditized marketplace, it's all about reaction. STC does this, so Mobile does that, so Virgin does that, so you know, X company does that. And you go round in circles. And, 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 and all, of that, all of that boils down to the customer. And all you're doing is say, choose. Okay, so you've got STC, Mobile, Virgin, and, and who else is, is, is that? So, and, and Zane, sorry, I forgot them. So here, here are the, the top four players in the market. They all sell the same thing at a very similar price uh, in, in, in pretty much the same way. How do customers choose? You're forcing them to choose across a lowest common denominator, right? Because all you're saying is, here's what I sell, and here's the price point that I sell it at. And you're your competitor comes along and says, well, I sell the same thing, and here's the price point that I sell it at. How do your customers choose? 
they're only going to choose on what they see a perceived value. And that is the lowest common denominator, the lowest common denominator, which is price. Right. And right. that's why yeah. there's so much competition within the telecommunications industry. Because they don't offer value. And it's not perceived value in terms of a monetary value. Because we know consumers will often pay more for a product or a service where the perceived value is greater than the monetary, uh, is less than the monetary value, right? So for instance, I don't know, the difference between buying a VW Golf and a BMW 3 Series. It's a car, right? They all do the same thing. If you, if you put a BMW, a Mercedes, and an Audi next to each other, right? They're all mid-range, high-performance, luxury sports cars, right? But it's very clear yeah. from their brands what they stand for. So BMW, the ultimate driving machine, you know, uh, Audi, Volkswagen Technik, you know, technical innovation, and Mercedes, you know, high-class luxury. Very three, three very similar cars, but three, three very distinct brands. You can't find that in a commoditized market. You will never find three very distinct brands. You'll find in a commoditized market, like the telecommunications market, an STC, a Zane, a Mobiling, selling the same thing, competing on price, with no real value to the consumer. The recent, the recent repositioning of SEC mm. after they unified, they changed their business strategy and unified all mm. their parties. Oh, what I have seen is um, uh, definitely the identity and so on. And I have seen the communication, which JWT has ro uh, rolled out. And uh, I question the strategy for many reasons. First thing, future is not a very distinctive thing you would own. Mm even if you expand within the region that you just bought 51% of uh, Budafone in Egypt or you own uh, the telecom yeah. in um, Bahrain and Kuwait. But what's so distinctive about Future? I yeah. mean, Future is, it's here already. And it's something that's felt across not only telecommunication. I mean, it's felt through, uh, through different types of products. The word Future itself, mm. it's generic. So when you have it in the heart of your repositioning, what does that tell you? And what's so distinctive? Yeah. And again, I think you're forcing people, unless you've clearly laid out what that future is, what it means. Again, it becomes ambiguous. And then it's up to the consumer to make up their mind. Well, what does future mean? Well, future can mean a lot of things for a lot of different people. And it might mean different things based on your age, based on your social status based on the environment that you live in, the place where you live. I mean, there are so many things that influence what we perceive the future to be. And the problem is, like you say, it's the future's unknown. So what you're saying is, you don't know. <laughs> essentially, right? You're essentially saying, you know, yeah. our brand doesn't yeah. know what our future is. If you leave that, if you leave it in, in that ambiguous message if you leave it up to consumers to decide what that message means it, it, it just means ambiguity it means i don't know because it's different for everyone right 
no two people's future or very few people's future will mean the same. Agree, absolutely. Tony, what would be your final words to uh, on brand? I think on brand, people really need to study the art of brand, what it actually means. And I, and again, I would go back to some of those more traditional, well-established brand practitioners, branding agencies. And I think if you're a business in Saudi Arabia at this time, and particularly for those young startups that are kind of just getting going, focus on your brand. The product will take care of itself because you, know, you can do all the best marketing and advertising you, that you want, but ultimately, that the market will decide for itself, right? And more often than not, it's, it, it, it's who you know. Uh, uh, that's a classic thing to say about Saudi, actually. It's all about who you know. But I think for brands more so, it's all about who your consumers are and what they know about you. Because that's the quickest way to spread the message of your brand is through telling your customers telling the market who you are and what you stand for. And if they like that, the more likely is it will be that they'll buy into that. Now, it might not necessarily be buying your product or using your service, but they will be a, there'll be a champion for your brand, which will draw other people that would use your product or your service towards you. So I think understanding getting a, getting support in understanding and distilling and more importantly articulating your brand is the most important thing that you can do for yourself Tony thank you so much thank you very much and appreciate this and I'm sure 100% you brought a lot of values to my audience and uh, a real pleasure talking to you thank meeting. you for having me on the show thank Ladies and gentlemen, and that was Tony Nagby, former head of brand and mobile, the cell phone company in Saudi Arabia, and beautiful conversation on brand. Lots of depth, lots of depth. Unfortunately, most people that speak on brand are at surface, and I love to invite those that have great depth on brand, so we're able to share with our audience in the Middle East and empower, like I said earlier, empower our audience on brand understanding. And unfortunately, a lot of decision makers on brand hardly understand how brands work. And they look at it from logo, the brand asset, which is the guideline, touch points. I've seen numerous work that came out from different agencies, um, local or international agencies out of Dubai. And sometimes I get shocked. I mean, it's a copy-paste work or what? Thank you. Please share.